Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, people, you know that sound. It is another edition of Unfiltered. That's the Unfiltered Band. And welcome aboard as we are here live along the way with you on Twitter. You can also jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution by getting into my Twitter bio and hopping on to the channel. And you can get on YouTube as well. Thanks for being on board. Lots to get to here on the show. You can chat along the way here on the live version. And thank you, Unfiltered Band. You can chat along the way here on the live version easily. Just jump in on Twitter and throw in your comments and your questions and be happy to get to them here along the way live. Again, episode 76 of Unfiltered. I got a lot to get to across the MLB landscape today. Happy uh, to have uh, you guys on board with me. Jump on board. Don't be shy. Let's get into this thing here on Unfiltered. Let's start with some clinches as the postseason chase continues and start with the New York Metropolitans last night. It is impossible to overstate what the impact of Max Scherzer has been on this baseball team. I talked to people around the game for years about Max on different teams and a lot of things in terms of what he brings in elevating the level of accountability, what he brings in elevating that level of want at the highest level are, are all there and real. But for a guy who is playing, and people don't understand this, and, and people who obviously are in the game certainly could speak to this, pitchers who are there one every five days normally do not have the level of impact that Max Scherzer has on a baseball team. And he's had it everywhere he's been. It's why it is so rare, yet so much needs to be, and congrats on number 200 for Max. I know he doesn't care about that necessarily right now, thinking of bigger things. But it is so important to spotlight and to bring up the following you think of Max Scherzer. How many contracts in sports do we crap on? Every single day, every month, every year, there is someone else that is in the spotlight that does not deserve the money. Now, even though I say that facetiously, a lot of fans say it with reality. Oh, we, you know, which they don't. You know, we pay their salaries. Really, you don't. You, you pay for parking and tickets. But we pay their salaries. You know, I mean, this is this is our money. Those guys are being wasted. That guy's not doing what he's supposed to do. Just think about Frankie Lindor and how he performed in year one and the amount of crap he's gotten even from Met fans during what's been a fantastic year for him where he's done everything you can give from gold glove defense to being fantastic offensively. He's come up with big hits left and right. He's gone to the post every single day. He's doing everything you could do. What is he, fifth in the league in F4? I mean, it's ridiculous the numbers he's put up and breaking all the records for shortstops with the Mets, which uh, clearly no offense to Buddy Harrelson or Raphael Santana or Kevin Elster or Ray Ordonez. You know, Kurt Abbott started in a World Series. This is not exactly where this franchise, you know, stakes its claim on that position on the field. It's the best shortstop to ever play in this franchise. But he get crapped on. Why? Well, because of the amount of money he makes. How many guys in any sport, when you look across their entirety of their career, have made the amount of money that Max Scherzer has made and been worth the amount of money Max Scherzer has been worth? Every damn penny, everywhere he gets paid. Everywhere. Doesn't matter where it is, Max Scherzer has earned that money. 
it's unbelievable to see a guy who has clearly, uh, you know, the impact we saw yesterday, for example, right with the six perfect innings. We know what he's been all year. He's got a two one five ERA. But for a guy who not only goes to the post every five days, but is making an impact on every other player on the team, is in the ear of the manager, in the ear of the pitching staff. It's like having another coach. It's almost, you know, to me, I guess, I'm curious what people think of this. And if you're watching on Twitter, obviously, if you're listening on the podcast and not in the live format, you can hit me up on Twitter and, and let me know your thoughts on this or jump in live. But to me, it's reminiscent of like an NBA point guard. We talk about that leader on the floor, that he extension. You hear that about catchers a lot of times, not about pitchers who they're one every five days, certainly when they're not playing the other four. This guy has such an impact just even being there in the dugout and being there around the team, even on days he's not pitching. And that is such a rare quality and has earned every penny. So congrats to Max, obviously, on 200 last night. A lot of talk about we knew the Mets were going to make the playoffs, and I want to get into this division race in a second. I'm going to hit all the races today, get into Dodgers. We'll get into Astros. We'll get into the chases from Judge and Albert. A lot to get to. Again, you could chat along the way live, interact and ask questions. Just jump in on Twitter into the chat and give me anything you got. There was a lot of talk yesterday, and look, you know, I, I like to get on Met fans and, and have some fun with them. And if you missed my conversation, I'm going to talk about the Braves in a second uh, with Mark Bowman. I called it podcasting with the enemy. Uh, go out and, and download or listen to that pod or go grab it up my YouTube channel and go watch it. It was a fun conversation about, you know, how many people have been trolling from trumpets and everything else. Mets Twitter, if you will. And I don't blame them because Met fans are nuts because we got that CTSD, that consistent traumatic stress disorder. But. A lot of people talk about celebrating in this manner every year. It's not just Met fans who were crazy yesterday. And I'll give you where I stand being on the outside of it, but in talking to players over the last 20 years and understanding, you know, the common sense, you don't need to be an athlete that comes with the following. These guys are in the longest season in sports. They get 18 days off. I know you don't feel bad for them because they make a lot of money, but they're away from their families. They're grinding it out every day. I mentioned a guy like Lindor six weeks ago. He's telling Buck, no, nah, I don't want out of the lineup. Buck said in a press conference right before the game, hey, you know, I, I told him he needed a rest. He didn't want to do it. Lindor got four hits. He's a hero. But three weeks later, when he said he hit a wall because he was tired, then every Met fan was on him. Well, you're not allowed to be tired. Well, which one is it? You wanted him to go to the post. Remember that day way back when, when he was supposed to get a day off? He was your hero. These guys grind to such a level all season long that the idea that we're yelling at them about celebrating, and they did it in the right manner, mildly. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, you're going to enjoy this moment. And yeah, of course, you're going to chase a division. And more than that, going after a, a title. And we're going to talk about the Astros who clinched the West. And obviously, clinching a division is less of a conversation. This normally comes down to when guys clinch a wild card recently in years when we had the one-game playoff. We had the one-game playoff. I went through a lot of years on radio talking to people who said, hey, look, you shouldn't celebrate because you're in a wild-card game now, right? Play in, play off, however you saw it. And now you're in a situation where you could have one day go home anyway. So what the hell are you celebrating for now? Celebrate after you win that, then you're in the real playoffs. And that's a bunch of crap, too. At the end of the day, if we're not celebrating as human beings or accomplishments, what the hell are we doing? I mean, Met fans are the kings of that. I mentioned this covering it in 2015. I said it every day on radio. Watch it. Nobody was ever happy. 
You had Soup Campbell, John Mayberry Jr., half a year of garbage. All of a sudden, you're sitting there from that against the Yankees on Sunday Night Baseball to Cespedes making Drew Storen have nightmares like I do with those two girls in the hallway in The Shining. And, and everything, they still didn't enjoy that. Well, then you were waiting for the next thing that wasn't going to be good enough. Or then, you know, you couldn't wait till TC left Harvey in too long or Familia was in a six-run inning or whatever the hell was going to get him mad because you got to get, you got to be miserable. You got to be miserable. Just, I, it doesn't make any sense, but that's the way it is. But do we celebrate? If you get, I mean, look, if you have a you know, raise at work, but you don't get promoted, or you get promoted, but you're not the president. Or you have a great day, and, and you're in a, a car sales, and you sell a car, but you still need to sell 10 more. Should you just wait until the 10? We're not celebrating the, the little wins that we have as humans in life. What the hell are we doing? And who the hell are we to tell these guys who are grinding while we're sitting in the seats scratching our asses, drinking beer, that they shouldn't be celebrating? That is dumb. It's dumb. It makes no sense. Good for them for celebrating doing it in a mild manner, doesn't have to be overblown, doesn't have to get crazy. That's the way teams should do it, and they did it the right way. But for people who are getting on the celebrating, I'm curious, feel free to jump in the chat here, or if you're listening to this on the podcast and don't get it in the live format, let me know what you think about this after. I can't believe the people who are having conversations wondering about why teams celebrate when they just get to the playoffs. It's kind of a big deal. Doesn't mean they forgot the division. So kudos to the Mets. Congrats to them for getting into the postseason officially, which everybody knew they would do. Max gets 200. The team celebrates the right way, and now on to bigger and better things. Let's talk about that. The National League Eastern Division, remember a week ago when Met fans uh, you know, and Braves fans were going through this unbelievable hell. It's amazing how these two teams and the fan bases and the trumpets have kind of mirrored each other here over the course of the year. It's like the gatekeeper and the key master. I keep saying, you know, we got to get these two together. I don't think they realize just how similar these two groups between the Mets fans and the Braves fans truly are. Because while a Met fan is thinking a week ago in this NL East race that, hey, how did we not take advantage of a national series that had happened less than a week before that? And then eventually when they got swept by the Cubs, like how how is it even humanly possible we don't take advantage of that? That's a joke. It's ridiculous. Well, how about the Braves fan who's thinking at the same time or Braves player, no offense to the Giants, but they're not, I mean, look, the football Giants better than the baseball Giants this year, who knew? But they're thinking, how do we not beat the Giants two out of three? How do we not take advantage of the fact that that team with the Mets lost against the Cubs? And again, I hope you enjoy my chat with Mark Bowman, uh, MLB.com. If you haven't checked it out, you should. It, it is a deep dive into this NL East race from both vantage points. He talks Mets. I talk Braves. We have a lot of fun with that. And obviously, uh, you know, longtime friend, we're not enemies, but I laugh because everybody's been trolling each other when it comes to this East race. But Acuna has... It looked more like Acuna, and obviously health has a lot to do with that, right? And getting back into the flow. Olsen finally got a hit. I love Matt, but obviously he's been struggling, got a hit yesterday. It's amazing what they're getting out of the catcher spot. It's amazing what they've gotten out of the nine hole, uh, how good Grossman has been, especially because he's going against his splits, really being good on both sides. Strider, brilliant in his last start. This is a fun race. It's coming down to September 30th to October 2nd. Book your they should do this on pay-per-view. I mean, it feels like, uh, you know, I don't know. It's like the, the McGregor-Nate Diaz trilogy coming to fruition instead of Mets-Braves. But this is going to be some to do coming up September 30th, beginning here where I am in Atlanta, where right now it looks like very possibly 
depending upon rain and and you know changes that are unforeseen, like we could see Degrom against Strider in Game One of that series. Sign me up for that. Grab your popcorn. That's going to be amazing. So NL East race, fun to watch. Catch the thing with Mark Bowman if you haven't, and check that out. Uh, also, I, I wanted before I move on from the NL East, but remiss not to say today when you look at the date, September twentieth, tomorrow the anniversary of the greatest sporting event that I've ever been to. And I've said this many times over the air, over the years, I say that every time. And then I take it back. Great. Can't be used because of the backdrop of it and what was happening that night at Chase stadium and why it was important sporting because it's not really a sporting event. It's probably the most powerful, impactful, important event I've ever been there for. I was just a few rows, mine home plate, ready to walk down on the field when David freeze, did his thing in St. Louis. I've been to some you know great events, been a no hitters, all kinds of stuff. Blessed to, to be able to do that as a fan and and working here 20 years doing this for a living. But there's nothing like what I experienced 92101. And whether you're a, a Met fan or a baseball fan, just as a human being, everybody's heard the Piazza call. But I had a great conversation with Howie Rose, longtime voice of the Mets. If you check in the pod from uh, less than a week ago and go in there. We talk about a ton of things, but one of them was him breaking down behind the scenes what it was like doing the broadcast and being a part of that day and what led up to that big Piazza home run. It's pretty special stuff, so catch that. I uh, didn't want to you know, not at least bring that up sitting here a day away from the anniversary of that moment on September 21st, 2001. Let's go from the NL East and let's go out West and say in the National League. The Dodgers clinch home field yesterday. And speaking of the pot, I'll have Jerry Harrison Jr. coming up on Friday. The Dodgers clinched home field yesterday, which was inevitable. But what I want to talk about with the Dodgers is we get bored by greatness in sports. It's amazing. It's like I, I have people who say to me, you know, why are people you know not pay attention to the Warriors, right? Or like, you know, for years then it was the San Antonio Spurs in that sport. It was the New England Patriots, right? It was the Braves down here in Atlanta where their own fans weren't paying attention for years till they got to the playoffs because of the failures they had had in years prior. And the reason of that is expectations. The reason for that is because then you got to be at that high level because that's what we think you're going to do. And if you don't pass that level, now it doesn't matter. I mean, everything else is jack and you know what comes with it. So we're kind of, I feel like, and the East Coast bias, which comes with, you know, ratings and all of that, right? A lot of people in the East are sleeping. So you get up and you watch these shows and they're not covering what the Dodgers are doing. There are a lot of stats you could use for the Dodgers and, you know, sometimes I've said over the years since this became a thing, sometimes run differential is, is a bit overrated. The times that it's not overrated, and I've often thought of this, is when it is so extreme, whether it's at home, away, in division, not, or overall, that it's so extreme that you can't give me there were a couple of games they won 10-2 to two and tell me the rest of it is a bunch of BS. The Dodgers are 102-44, and 44, people. That's ridiculous. And even more so, the fact that they have had so many injuries on the pitching side, and great to see Clayton dealing yesterday. Kershaw had 10 strikeouts. But they have had so many injuries on the pitching side, the Dodgers have. It's, it's ridiculous. The amount of times that they have had a guy come back or think he's right on the step doorstep of coming back or have some success, and then he's down again. They've lost in the starting rotation. They've lost in the bullpen. They've had to use guys they never thought they would use. Winning teams who win at that high level, it's not just everybody talks about the payroll, right, with the Dodgers or the Mets, but the irony of both of those teams, where in the payroll was Tyler McGill at the beginning of the year? Where was Luis Guillorme, 
right? At any point in the year, where, where was he seen in that payroll? You know, Mark Canna, comparatively to some of the other guys that they brought in, right? Where, where were those guys? Trevor Williams, where was he? Well, look at the Dodgers and how many of those kind of stories that they have. The fact that with all those injuries, and I want to have the number right, they are 332 in the plus side of it in run differential. 332. Just to give you an example, the 94-win team. Now, I know the Mets won two out of three against the Dodgers, and everyone went crazy and played trumpets, and it was amazing, right? It, it, they also went 11-1, and one, wasn't it, in 1988 before Oral Hershiser single-handedly basically dragged them off the field and that so-forth you know, so dynasty thing was out the window, right? You know, so should there were other people involved, but we get it. What you do in a regular season, three games, it, it means nothing when you get to the postseason. The New York Mets have 94 wins, the team I started this conversation with. Their run differential is 151, plus 151, which, by the way, is great. It's I, I think it's third in the National League. The Braves are a bit ahead of them. I think at like 170 or something. The Dodgers is 332. We're talking about more than double. Only eight wins more, but more than double. That is how dominant. Think about that. With all the pitching injuries I just stated are there, and they are. With all the issues the Dodgers have, and they do, in terms of all the guys and not having Bueller and the times they didn't have May and then they didn't have Gonsolin and when they didn't have Kershaw, and the list goes on and on. In the bullpen, certainly plenty of those, right? Think about all of that. Even though they only got eight more wins than the Mets, they got more than double their run, their run differential of 332. I don't know if that's a record. I haven't checked or seen anybody. Somebody could tweet me or get in the chat if you know if it, what the – I don't know – if they you know, know what the record is, that's got to be some kind of, it's, it's absurd. That is how much they're dominating. That is how much better they, they are 21. What's the latest tabulation? They're 21 and a half games ahead of the Padres. They're 32 games ahead of the Giants. Now it's one thing when you say that against the Pittsburgh Pirates in a division, it's one thing when you say it against the Washington Nationals in a division. It's another when you're 21 and a half games over the Padres, who by the way, are going to the playoffs pretty good. It's unbelievable how dominant the Dodgers have been. They don't get enough credit for it. And I'm curious, if you're a Dodger fan, are you feeling like you're getting some of that slight? Hit me up. If you're not listening to it or watching it live and you're in the podcast format, you can still hit me up at Casey Stern, shoot me a note, or you could jump in the chat if you're live. But I'm, I'm curious because for me, from a Dodgers perspective, if I'm a Dodger fan, I would definitely feel like somehow I'm being slighted. Like the, the biggest thing that happened this year was like, to the media was like the, the Mets beat me two out of three and I got a 332 in the plus side run differential. I'm 102 and 44. I've already wrapped up home field and at least with all the injuries and the, and the issues I have, have the depth day to cover it and B now I could set myself up the way that I want in terms of schedule. Pretty impressive. Want to stay West. Let's go American league side to the Houston Astros and congrats on their clinch of the American league West and to my dude, Dusty Baker. Um, what the job that Dusty has done here has been fantastic over the time he's been there. It was not easy, I know, and he would, you know, you know, he would downplay it, but I won't. It's not easy that he jumped in there in a spot where after everything that had happened and the way that the Houston Astros were seen, he was basically like, it's like, you know, you're in there to, you know, run the Monstars against like Jordan and company and Spain. Like, I, I mean, I don't even know what the equivalent is. Like, you're the head of, like, the dark side now, like some Sith Lord. 
even though Dusty always been a good dude. Here, go fix it. Go take him to you know, go you know, take him from being heel and turn him into a baby face, so to speak. If we're talking about like in wrestling terms, it's amazing the job that he's done. He was the perfect guy for that job because he brought balance to the force. To go back to Star Wars here for a second, but really brought credibility that enabled him to be a buffer between the media that wanted to rip everything about the Astros and everything that had happened, and the present and the future that he was trying to create. He became that perfect buffer, and he's done such a terrific job for them. Credit to Framer Valdez for the season he's put together. Credit to Jordan Alvarez, who's been brilliant. To all of the players who, and, and I know people don't want to do this, the Altuves and the Bregmans and the guys who were there through all of that, lived with the hatred, even though dumbed down because of COVID and people not being in the building. But live with the hatred, certainly couldn't go on social media, couldn't go anywhere. They're still not respected. The Astros are clearly the best team in the American League. It is not a guarantee of any sort that they get to a World Series. But just to use the last two teams I just talked about, I don't know what the odds would say. But if I asked you in a poll, hey, who's got the easier you know, path, if you will, who's more likely out of the two Western Division studs, to get to a World Series, it's Astros over Dodgers for sure. You know, you can make a case, and I think a very good one, that very clearly over the course of this season, at almost every point, and certainly in total, the best four teams in baseball, and I've been calling it the AEIOU, sometimes why, it's been Dodgers, Astros, Mets, Braves, sometimes Yankees, and Cardinals and Mariners and Jays, and we know the others that are in the mix, but it's really been that four that's been out in the forefront. Well, the three of them in the National League. You know, you got a chance that if you're sitting there in the NL side and you win the wild card, you're going to probably have to beat the NL East winner. Let's say if you, you know, for example, no offense to the Phillies who have not been able to beat the Mets or the Braves at all this year. But let's say the Braves win the wild card. They will then have to beat the Dodgers in five games and then most likely then have to beat the Mets in seven. Same thing. Mets getting a wild card. They're probably going to have to beat the Phillies, then go have to beat the Dodgers on the road in five and then have to go beat the Braves in seven. That is way tougher of a path, way more difficult in this format, way more difficult overall than what the Astros are going to face, where the Yankees are, you know, Aaron Judge will get to in a second. And yeah, I sometimes the pitching get Garrett Cole kind of not enough. And then I don't know what the heck with the bullpen and how much pressure are we putting on Holmes and some of these kids and Chapman a nightmare and, and tattoos or whatever else. And, and I don't know if I buy into them necessarily. I don't know if anybody does. And I don't know who's pitching Aaron judge in a postseason. by the way, they better, they better figure Booney with that lineup and other guys having enough success because no manager is going to be dumb enough to go do it in a postseason If they can avoid it, you got to make it unavoidable in some way. But that's the guy clearly you're not going to let try or at least attempt to not let beat you. But I think the Toronto Blue Jays are extremely dangerous. I've said this for now the last couple of months. The way they pitch, the capabilities of Manoa and Gosman, the way Bichette has kind of taken the team on his back, the, the guys who have been there have done that, and, and you're not having many, I don't care, current, past, future, any level that George Springer has done it in the way he's done it in big spots. Let's not forget 0 for 4, 4 Ks in game one of a World Series, and then the best four-game stretch offensively in any World Series you've probably ever seen to go win the MVP, right? And people forget 0 for 4 with, with the sombrero in the first game of that series. That's going to be a very difficult team. They got the guy at the back end who can get swings and misses and Romero and outs. They're, they're, the Jays, to me, have a chance to be that team that can really surprise in the American League. But you're going to have to knock off the Astros in five because beating that team with the depth they have and the gap between Houston and everybody else in the American League, 
beating that team in seven games could be extremely difficult. It's going to be very, very hard to do. So curious to see your thoughts on the AL side. You can jump in again if you're not live with me at Casey Sturdy. You can hit me up at the channel, uh, you know, through your uh, podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Jump on Twitter as well. And again, just uh, before I wrap on the West, Jerry Harrison Jr., of course, does a great job uh, with the Dodgers. Will join me on Friday. We'll talk uh, L.A. Uh, before we get to the weekend on the Unfiltered Pod. I want to hit the individual chases. First of all, no offense to, and I know people who work at these places, no offense to Apple TV, but glad to hear that. It, I think I'd read this morning, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, that, that the network is going to have the live look-ins on the ABs with Judge to at least be able to, on Friday, follow that chase. The idea that we're not going to get that in some kind of bigger format seems like just another thing that Major League Baseball would do wrong. I mentioned many years ago, the WBC gets in, is it even a gold medal in the championship game, whatever it was. And, you know, Fox at the time had the deal and, and they're showing your know, reruns of empire, which is very nice. And I, I got to go, you know, to MLB network where everybody already watching baseball. When I'm thinking this is like the Olympics. If you want to make it that way, you're trying to push it that way. You put it on Fox. So somebody goes by and sees USA and they stay just the way I will do with figure skating or gymnastics or, or moguls or whatever come the Olympics. Cause okay. Whether it's us, Canada, whatever country you're watching, listening from that's where you are. MLB's missed that boat like a million times. So good to see that at least the network's going to be able to you know, put those at-bats on live on Friday. These are two fun chases. Albert Pujols being two, two you know, homers away and sitting there where he is is such an amazing story. He'd put together such an amazing career already. For him to be at this point where he has what seems like the swan song final kind of goodbye moment where you know, you're tipping your cap and you have the home run derby. And then that invigorates him in some way to now be able to kind of you know finish up this chase. And I keep saying this to people, we're forgetting that we're going to see Albert Pujols in the postseason. We're going to get to watch Albert Pujols in October. How ridiculous is that? That's going to be fun. Look at some of the all-time names, Scherzer, Verlander, Pujols, some of the guys that we're going to get to see, not Otani, but into a postseason this year. going to be a lot of fun, I think, in both brackets, AL and NL. But, you know, obviously, everybody rooting for Albert Pujols. I, I don't care lefties, righties. I want him every day. I want every at-bat. I want him to go chase and get this thing done. And then for the Cardinals, they got bigger fish to fry as they uh, head out on a little bit of a West Coast trip, maybe a preview, as you know, they could see a couple of these teams as they've got the, the Padres, I think, and the Dodgers on this trip in St. Louis. Lead eight in the division. They're comfortable there. They're not going to catch the Dodgers anymore officially. They're not going to catch the Mets and the Braves, even though I know they've been thinking about that. They're kind of nestled into the spot they're going to be in. But you've got the, the Goldie and Arenado MVP cases, and you've got Albert Pujols in that lineup. There's a lot to watch, obviously. And, of course, the, the final season for Yadier Molina. And, again, belated congrats to him and Adam Wainwright for breaking that mark. As far as Aaron Judge is concerned, this is a, a historic season. This is, and I saw Mike Pitriello, I think, was who had the article out today that I was reading, which was great because this is not just about his homers that everybody's paying attention to, or even the fact that he's this close to being in the lead in all three triple crown categories. It's the fact that he's putting up historic numbers. This is one of the top 20, 25 offensive seasons we've ever seen. I, and he's doing it in not a traditional Yankee lineup. I think people who don't watch the Yankees because you either love the Yankees or you hate them, right? I know it in my family. Everybody's a Yankee fan, but me, and I have not been a fan of theirs during my lifetime. 
But I think people who hate the Yankees and don't watch, or they're NL fans, or they got the West Coast bias with the Dodgers, whatever, and maybe they're not paying attention to thinking, oh, well, it's the Yankees. They spent all the money. Look at all the players they have. So what? Aaron Judge, you you, you know, you, you got a pitch to him, or it's just, you know, what? No, this is a Yankee lineup that they're sitting like two weeks ago. It looked like the 2015 Mets in the first half of the season. It was a joke. I mean, no offense, but you know, Donaldson hadn't done much this year offensively, been terrific on the defensive side. Giancarlo Stanton popping up left and right and leaving guys on base since he came back from the injury. They hadn't gotten much from Glaber, although it's been Glaber Day not once, I think, but twice in big spots here in the last two, three weeks. Yeah, they're playing a bunch of kids. Yeah, outside of you know facing Judge at the beginning of the game, what the hell are you facing him in all for? That's what's so remarkable about what Aaron Judge is doing is that he's doing it in New York, betting on himself, which is like a double whammy of pressure, and he's doing it with pressure you normally don't have on a Yankee team in that lineup because in this case, they're a team that doesn't have a Yankee-type lineup. They're a team that doesn't have what you normally have around Aaron Judge. That's why it's so ridiculous what the dude is doing. It's amazing to watch and good for him. And obviously we're all rooting for that. Unless you're a Red Sox fan or you just hate life and, and happy things. We continue to watch that chase with judge and with Albert Pujols. Uh, I want to close here for this edition of uh, unfiltered live. And again, catch all the recent pods uh, on Friday. I've got uh, Jerry Harrison jr. Coming up. I just did a, a fun spot with Ned Yost yesterday for Royal fans or for just humans in general. He's hilarious breaking down not only those two Royals runs, but coaching with the Braves and his time as a manager and elder statesman managers having success this year, the likes of Tito and Dusty and Buck and a lifer and Snit and so on and forth uh, and uh, so forth. And Ned's thoughts on all that he even talks hot dogs and farming with me. So you can catch that. The Mark Bowman thing that I did with him, Mets Braves, Howie on 920-101, and a bunch of other things. Even did some hockey recently with uh, Voice of the Isles, Brendan Burke. As uh, Speaking of hockey, by the way, Real quickly, congrats on a great career to Zdeno Chara, to P.K. Subban, and uh, to Keith Yandel, three defensemen, obviously uh, in their heyday, all different, but all with great success, all who retired this morning. As we retire this Unfiltered Live here, episode 76, I just remind people to pay attention to mental health and to people that you know around you and to be supportive and to empower. It is really, really easy in life to run from and run away from when other people seem to be having trouble, they will not come to you. They're not going to tell you that they need your help. You got to care enough to be willing to give the help. You got to care enough to lift those people up. You got to care enough to not, you know, really worry about what others around you are thinking or how anything looks or whatever it may be, which are a lot of the social tendencies that we get to when we talk about kind of people dropping out of the lives of other people who have struggles especially after what we've dealt with in society and after COVID and everything else, there are a lot of people who, you know, they, you may be the one person they reach out to don't take that lightly, but don't wait, jump out there and empower, care about other people, believe in other people. It makes the world a difference. And in a world where all we do is tweet and post negativity and all this other bullshit, be positive, care about others, lift them. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. It matters who you're doing it with. Hopefully, you're doing it with me on Unfiltered. Jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution. You can get your merch at Believe, B-L-E-A-V. And you got to believe we'll be back tomorrow for episode 77. This one is in the books. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration. And Grammarly can help. 
Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.